Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Brawn Body Podcast. In this episode, I'm joined again by Dr. Grant Taylor, and today we're focusing in on creativity as it relates to health and fitness. Just to remind you about Dr. Taylor, he received his PhD from the University of Western Australia in Perth, Australia, and teaches a lot of different courses at Lebanon Valley College, such as photography, printmaking studio, anatomical drawing, and a lot of other things that relate to art and art history. He's also authored the book, When the Machine Made Art, The Troubled History of Computer Art, and has published countless other articles, essays, and gallery exhibitions. And as he mentioned on Monday, he's had some pretty cool life experiences from traveling the world to carrying an Olympic torch. Uh, for more on Dr. Taylor, you can find him at the LVC Creative Arts homepage. Uh, that's Lebanon Valley College. So, Dr. Taylor, welcome back to the show. Excited to talk about uh, health and fitness and the creative nature of it with you. Yeah, great to be back in this second podcast. Uh, the first one was fun, so uh, I'm looking forward to doing the second. So, uh, obviously, you really specialize in creativity. You've made a career out of creating things and teaching others to kind of maximize their potential in creativity. Um, I know one of your big things has been, you know, creativity makes the world. Um, so how exactly does creativity make the world? And why is it that creativity is just so important to our daily lives? Uh, I think, you know, we're, we're very creative uh, species, right? And that's why we've got all the things that we have around us. Uh, it's just our nature to blend things, chop things up and rearrange them. And, uh, you know, it's, it's the key to our species. It's really going to be the key to our survival is how creative can we be, uh, bring up, uh, generate creative uh, responses to really hard challenges. And so I think creativity is, is key. And I think with, with people in disciplines like uh, physical therapy or exercise science and, and uh, the health professions, bringing a, a, the creative edge to their, to their practice is, is key. And so uh, I teach a lot of elements of that creative process, how to, you know, generate the kind of creative ideation that so many people, successful people use, such as Steve Jobs or Picasso, for example, uh, in the different disciplines, how they approach it. And so that's one of the things I, I teach. Right. So creativity very much starts from the mental side of things. And it's uh, ironic that the mental side of things has such a big play in your own health and fitness. Um, so for example, we often think of mental imagery in the fitness world. If you can picture yourself doing something like bench pressing uh, 400 pounds or something, when you go and attempt to do it, you're more likely to achieve it if you had never done it before than if you picture yourself failing and uh, attempting to lift that weight. So the mind is a very powerful tool when it comes to health and fitness and obviously all other areas of life, whether it be entrepreneurship, art, uh, music, you name it. And it's amazing how powerful this thing really is because it's not just creativity in the sense of innovation, but literally creating what you see in your mind 
in person? Sure. Yeah. So we, uh, you know, we've got out. Sometimes we split the mind and the body, uh, you know, and create this duality between the two. Uh, but they're obviously thoroughly interlinked, and and so creativity really uh, does play a role in in fitness uh, and and the, the general health professions at large. Um, but I think you know where creativity can be really helpful in in say strength training, uh, like you said, the visualization of a successful lift is is an example. But the way that you approach your body, because what we find in in exercise science is that we have a lot of routines that are like algorithms, right? So. Mm-hmm you know, uh, bench press, um, do this many reps and, and, and move through this and then do that next. And um, I think what we can do is be a little bit more creative. And I think in the last decade, especially in, in your discipline, there has been a real amazing variation of the way that we can fatigue our muscles and the way that we can get a good stretch and the way that we can invigorate you know, and understand each part of our body in, in a deeper way, rather than just the uh, old adage of getting in there and pumping iron. For sure. And it's ironic because on Monday, we were talking about how the importance of world travel and different experiences. And a lot of the stuff that we're talking about now, the creativity within health and fitness, it comes from all different parts of the world. Uh, so a lot of the stuff that I use in my own training actually comes from Russia. So weighted stretching, kettlebell work, um, you know, these things originated from the Soviet era of Russia, which now they're in America. And of course, we've Americanized all of that. Um, We now have kettlebells of all these different weights. They come in adjustable variations, and you can do all kinds of different things with them. Uh, But, you know, kettlebells wouldn't have been made possible if it wasn't for the Russians. So a lot of these kind of techniques that we're using as common practice on a daily basis now, they've been created from other parts of the world. And with that, you never know when the next innovation is going to come. I mean, what's going to be the next kettlebell or the next dumbbell? There's always going to be a new machine and a new way to kind of work the muscles, so to speak. Sure. Yeah. And I I think that's, that's true. So we've got the new, um, trend of kettlebells and we've been fortunate through through COVID is that those um, low weight uh, exercises like the use of kettlebells and kind of isometric uh, exercises have been good during COVID so you you didn't necessarily needed the machines the big machines of a gym you could have a number of weights and get a really good uh, uh, routine going in your in your basement or in, in your apartment so it's been fortunate that we've had so many approaches uh, and so many influences from different parts of the world during during COVID because we've really had to be creative if we wanted to get a, a decent workout in a domestic space. For sure. And some people are even just taking kind of existing concepts like TRX with the body weight and calisthenics based training. Uh, Basically, this TRX is a suspension trainer that allows you to vary the angle at which you're doing something like a push-up or a body weight row 
Uh, you can put your legs into it and do a variety of movements like a leg curl, a bridge, that sort of thing. Um, and that was just taking something that already existed, body weight training, calisthenics. It's been around since, you know, ages and ages, and they innovated it. Or you could take pure motion and what they're doing. Uh, same example. They took concepts like the sled push and landmine training and said, we could make these more functional. And then they combined a sled with a landmine. And now you're doing landmine exercises while moving. It's just that constant taking something that already exists and finding new ways to use it that in ways that it hasn't been before. Uh, so I definitely think the creative, uh, creative nature of things is very alive and prevalent right now um, with health and fitness. And maybe that relates to the fact that it's never been easier to start a business. Um, I, that's a topic for another time. Uh, but otherwise, how else do you apply creativity within your own workouts? Uh, what are you doing to keep yourself active and healthy and fit? Sure, yeah, and so I agree with what you, you've been saying. There has been uh, very creative solutions to a whole lot of different resistance and uh, different exercises. And I think what I'm excited about is there's a much, in the last decade or so, there's been a much more substantial shift towards understanding um, understanding the exercise and the technique and form in relation to your own body. Mm -hmm. That's crucial for anyone that um, is, is, is doing strength training into their, you know, into the middle age and beyond. Um, because by this time, you really, it's all about a conversation with the body. What is the limits? What, what are your safe limits to work within? Um, what is going to make you too sore the next day? Uh, and so the, these exercises are really making sure that the mind is connected to the body and that you're understanding the technique and form and really f isolating, feeling the muscles um, that, that are being targeted. And so, you know, if I'm thinking about COVID, I, you know, I stopped going to the gym where I saw you, the, the LVC gym, and I, uh, I had a set of... Um, dumbbells and some barbells and a bench that uh, my um, brother-in-law had when he was like 16. So <laughs> it's probably too small for me, but it, it was probably um, a bench that was designed in the 1980s, but I have done so many things with that bench. I mean, mm -hmm. through the, the last year, I've been really inventive. So I'm getting a, a full workout. Um, I've been using like my kids' toys. So for example, if um, the bench doesn't incline to the right angle, I'll get one of their uh, rubber inflatable uh, uh, jumping beans and putting <laughs> it in there because they're really strong. Um, and that, in fact, I had set one up the other day as a punching bag, you know, so I've taken <laughs> their, their toys and repurposed them because they're too old for them now um, and, 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 and brought them into my routines. And so, we're, and so COVID has forced that because, as you know, the, the prices of dumbbells, you know, doubled o almost overnight mm -hmm. because of the supply and demand issue and you couldn't even buy anything. Yep. So you had to use what you had, um, you know, resistance bands, uh, all those types of things uh, and really concentrate on form because you just probably didn't have the weight. So how are you going to fatigue that muscle? 
and there's lots of ways to do it. And I think the other thing is I haven't been doing the routine that um, that you see on the internet, the variations. If you if you can do a movement that's interesting and that doesn't hurt your uh, uh, say your joints. Um, you know, that, that's a new way to attack that or fatigue that muscle or that muscle group. Uh, so I think it's been um, a great little lab, you know, of all of us in our apartments or in our basements, um, trying to come up with ways uh, to, to exercise and continue to be healthy. And that I really kind of enjoyed that process. And it's like, am I gonna go back to the gym uh, <laughs> now that I've kind of done all this work uh, to, to get a good, routine I, my I, I must admit my routine still based on daniel's uh original uh suggestions uh, so <laughs> the core of it is there but uh it's, it's lots of variations and you have to as you all know if you've done strength training you do get bored of the same thing over and over again so variation is crucial for uh longevity you have to be able to say oh, i haven't done this for a while and get excited about it mm -hmm. um uh because the, 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 the mind, the human mind needs a stimulus and it needs variation. Otherwise it will get bored and move to another, another focus. For sure. I love how you brought up variety because everyone kind of goes online and they find some free workout plan, jump on it. And they're like, all right, here we go. And it's the same stuff over and over again, same sets, same reps, same exercises. And it's just not feasible to do that long term. Uh, I try to change something about every workout every time. The exercise selection might be the same, but I'm going to change the sets, change the reps. I might alter how long I'm doing the exercise for. So increase the total time that the muscle is under tension. I might vary the weight a little bit. I might uh, leave the weight, but make it harder in other ways. So maybe I add bands to the bar. Maybe I add chains. Maybe I pair it with an exercise. Um, and maybe that exercise is for the same muscle group. Maybe it's for a different muscle group. Um, the, the possibilities are endless. And I like how you kind of touched on movement training and not necessarily muscle training is if you do a movement and you feel like you're getting some kind of benefit from it, then keep doing that movement. It doesn't have to be, you know, is this working my biceps? Is this working my quads? You can work a lot of these different muscle groups with basic movement patterns. Uh, for example, we'll take the clean. You know, if you can do a power clean for three, 400 pounds, odds are you don't really have to worry about doing 20 pound bicep curls because if you're cleaning 300 pounds, you're, you're, full body is probably going to be pretty strong and pretty well developed in comparison to someone who just does bicep curls. So think movement based and think bigger picture and then think, how can I change these little variables? How can I make this different than what I did last time? Yeah, and I, I agree. I think the other, the other thing uh, that I think about a lot um as because i'm 47 so uh, we all have injuries right uh and you if you've played sports you probably have injuries from a young age even in your uh, teens and you take those into adulthood so you get to know those injuries very uh very intimately because <laughs> they slow you down um i'm lucky i'm 
I've got great knees, and so um, I'm, I'm lucky for that. My area of concern that is always has been my thoracic back. It's always it always gets stiff, and that may have been the result of windsurfing young without a harness. Um, but I don't know for that for sure. But that is something that will stir up um, if I if, if I if I push it too far or I do something I don't warm up enough um, before I I attempt something that um that you know, something that tweaks me, you know, it could be, you know, you can get stiff overnight by sleeping in the wrong position, you know, so it's not always the workout, of course, but it's really coming to terms and, and having a very deep knowledge of, of your body and your injuries and being able to work out around those injuries. So if, if something gets stiff um, and it is, you don't have the same movement in, in say the rotation, say of uh of your spine well there's other things you can do you can go move, move more to isolation exercises or you can uh, if it's not too bad then um do compound work but do low weight compound work so i would say biggest tip is to just really try and understand your body and be be cognizant of of your injuries and being able to work out around them and to and protect those those areas for sure and if you're still concerned about them then you can always seek out the help of say a physical therapist uh, you might know someone who's in school to become a physical therapist uh just just throwing that out there um you know there's a lot of qualified people who can help you uh, really you know diagnose what you have going on and really attack it at the root. And, uh, I, you know, when it comes to dysfunction, uh, as it relates to movement, the more opinions you get, the more confused you might be because there's always more than one thing going on. You're not always going to get the same answer from everyone. Uh, but you will get better, or at least we hope it gets better. Uh, if not, then obviously you seek out someone else's opinion. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think um, the great thing, the, the only way to know your body, I think um, we, we know it as we feel it, but mm -hmm. to know what the, the mechanics and what is going on, what's, what, what, uh, what is causing the inflammation or what is, is pinching the nerve or whatever, you have to, you need to uh, seek out professional advice and they're going to be able to tell you the mechanics, they're going to be able to diagnose that and say, you know, what what's your approach out of this especially if you've got a, a bad injury um and it, it in a way that saves you so much time um and effort because they're going to bring that understanding that you need to that part of the body that you're just not going to get to from the internet you just you don't get the depth and you not don't know for sure you know you're, you're second guessing if you're trying to diagnose uh something from the internet it, it requires <laughs> It requires a professional help with a person that can get their hands on you and see how your body reacts under, um, um, you know, under stress. Now that we've kind of segued uh, naturally to talking about therapy, I know you're very big on the art therapy, and that's actually something you started on an entire art therapy program here, if I remember correctly. Um, so talking about art therapy, why do you think art in itself can be so therapeutic what is it about the creative nature of things that really uh helps people so to speak yeah we, we have a specialization art therapy lvc and um 
you know, there's lots of things that are therapeutic. So, uh, you know, PT is looking at the mechanics uh, of, of the body uh, and the physiology of it uh, in detail, whereas art therapy works mostly with the mind. So I work with a lot of veterans that have uh, PTSD and depression, all sorts of things um, that, that are results of both mental and physical uh, trauma. And uh, art therapy really helps them um, break out of some of the thought patterns that they might be in and gives them a new creative outlet to express themselves where emotions uh, around uh, depression or PTSD are very difficult to communicate. So, you know, there's lots of therapies, right? So physical therapy and art therapy, music therapy. So it's, it's really bringing uh, everything to the table. And often problems are so complex that you need lots of perspective. You need, um, you need everyone uh, on board uh, bringing what they can to the table to, to, to solve complex um, you know, complex problems. And that's what art therapy does in a way. It, is, it definitely helps out during COVID and because everyone's been isolated and uh, we've, we've had an uptick in desires for more art therapy um, through, the, through the health professions because patients just need uh, an, another route um, to, to, to gain you know, health, you know, and wellness. Mm -hmm. I was actually going to ask you about that next is uh, if you've started to use the art therapy and art therapy approaches with uh, the pandemic and COVID, because I know the PTSD has been a uh, common trait amongst uh, COVID positive patients who might have been on a ventilator or in the ICU or that sort of thing. Uh, so it sound, certainly seems like there was going to be great benefit there with the art therapy. And I like how you touched on it's treating the whole person. It's not just treating, you know, the movement dysfunction. It's we're including art therapy to kind of take care of the issues at the mind level, because the mind level problems might have contributed to the physical level problems that the physical therapist is treating. Right. And you, you can't just go to the problem. You have to address it at the source. Right. And so, and it's, it's something I've been thinking about late, lately is, you know, when, to tie this together a bit is that um, what what does stress, you know, the physiological response to stress, we know that it's kind of diverse, but, you know, in terms of um, strength training, um, I think one of the things that will, will send up inflammation um, or, or get, a, get a, a reach in the body to, to to not have the strength that needs say um, for certain exercises and then you get an injury is, is stress related. So we often think that, you know, that we're doing something, um, we injured ourselves physically and that's, and so then we've got inflammation and then uh, we've got low mobility, but often I think it, it's stress related. So mm -hmm. um, the stress of, of something will send up, um, the inflammation in the body and and the weakest links in the body will will start crying for help, and so it's just interesting that you talk about that because PT will will um, try and uh, well they do both they try and 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 uh, solve the issues the mechanics of it and help out uh, in other areas and and manage um, uh, 
uh, the injury, whereas uh, a lot of the other therapies are trying to prevent the buildup of stress and that stress negatively impacting the body. For sure. And I think there's a lot of value to what you just said about stress, because the way I kind of look at the continuum, and this is kind of my whole personal take on it, is increased levels of stress are going to increase activation of your sympathetic nervous system. So it's kind of like your fight or flight response, like you're running away from a saber toothed tiger, that sort of feeling. And if you're in a constant stressed out state, maybe it's, you know, you've got deadlines to meet at work or projects or school, or just, you know, drinking 10 cups of coffee a day, maybe it's self-imposed. Odds are you're not going to sleep as well. So you're cutting off your body's main source of recovery and replenishment. And if you don't recover, then by the time you get up the next day to go and do whatever it is you have to do, your body's going to have a lot less left to put into it from both a physical and mental side of things. So I think it starts with the stress, it impacts the sleep, and then whatever you are trying to do is going to suffer as a result. Um, and again, just like we've said, you got to treat it at the source. Right. And sometimes movement can't do that. Sometimes you have to look at the alternative ways of doing things. Um, and I do find it ironic that we call things like art therapy and alternative therapy, when in reality, this was one of the original therapies, historically speaking. Um, people for centuries, basically as long as we know humankind, have been involved in some form of art and storytelling. And we, for some reason in modern society, don't look at that as our first option for a therapy. We typically start with medications and pharmaceuticals and things that more often than not make the problem worse or just kind of suppress it for a while instead of going after the root cause of the issue. Yeah, I agree, definitely. So, um, you know, the, the, the act of making art is crucial to hum humans and we kind of sometimes stop after everyone does art until they, uh, you know, get into high school often and oh, I'm not good at art, but the creative act is, is so crucial. Creation, like you say, the storytelling is, is, is so important to our mental health and expressing our own identity and how, where we fit in the world. And to be successful, uh, you've got to have a sense, uh, a sense of that. Um, and like you say, uh, we, in modern society, we just, we just treat the symptom, right? We just uh, throw everything at it. Um, but for a more long-term solution, we, we have to take care of the, men the mental side of it. Um, and I think it's, it's, you know, it's crucial for strength training. When you think about your attitude in, in, in the gym and what is, what is propelling you, what, what is uh, driving you in that session. Now, if it's more negative emotion, you know, you're going to try and uh, lift real heavy and break your personal best or whatever <laughs> you're going, you, you, you got, you got certain risks of, um, of, of injury, but if you find out that, hey, I've, I'm, I'm feeling good today, I'm, I'm relaxed, and hey, I'm only one more step away from a, you know, a pretty decent weight here, I might take it, um, but if you're saying, I'm gonna just, I've gotta take this, and you've got a different like attitude towards it, you, you run the risk of, of injury. So, 
you know, you want to bring that that sensibility, uh, that kind of balanced mental state into your into your workout zone, and and try and think about what's motivating you. Why am I, why am I trying to, you know, uh, exercise? Why am I doing this? Why am I taking this time out of my week? Uh, reflect on that a bit, um, and I'm, I'm sure you won't have as much of the, you know, the post workout inflammation and all those things that uh prevent you from your next workout you know those Mm -hmm. types of things for sure the mindset is key uh especially to health and fitness and with that how can how do you think people should go about kind of optimizing their creativity and their mindset on a daily basis and how can they kind of start working on tying those practices directly into their health and fitness practices be art but it could be other things could be washing your car it could be um you know talking with friends it could be walking outside or it could be taking photos so that that's really important a lot of us our relaxing time out is is when we work out right Mm -hmm. um and and to make that time not just about you know uh you know you know doing the last rep to absolute exhaustion um uh to failure you know uh you know it it doesn't need to go to failure you want to you want to be more in the moment and enjoy that process rather than trying to just break through and and destroy your own you know muscles you know for sure it'll, it'll rebuild so go 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 for a much more holistic approach um to to the session itself you know Um, more reflective for sure and that kind of ties in again with art as well is i can imagine when we can uh, think about and consider art if you go into a project with a more creative mindset you are going to end up with a very different end uh, project as opposed to if you went in with more of a destructive and down kind of mindset Um, so the mindset you go in with impacts the outcome and, uh, with that too, if you're someone who wants to get into art, um, obviously Dr. Taylor is a expert on that, but it's, I would imagine it hasn't really been easier, uh, in the past to get into art because, uh, supplies are a lot more accessible. You can do it digitally. You can do it. Um, you pick up art supplies pretty much anywhere now and, um, you know, you can learn through the power of the internet. You can pick up online classes, online courses. A lot of them are free. Um, so great time to start getting into this stuff. Yeah, I would say YouTube is, uh, you know, out of there's a lot of horrible things that are happening with social media, but and technology generally. But you know, YouTube is wonderful for small little tutorials and for photography and drawing and painting and all sorts of things. So. Um, yeah, there's lots of guidance out there that you just wouldn't have had, uh, you know, 15, 20 years ago. It's all, it's all available to you for free. So mm-hmm. there's no excuse. And then if you're an LVC student, you want to every, if you get a chance, make sure you do an art studio class, doesn't matter which one, um, because they're all immersive. So, uh, you know, that will, will count. So. I encourage uh, all those in the health professions to do a do do a studio course and get that creative edge. 
specifically, of course, with you, though, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter, but I'd love to see you, you know, and, uh, and help, help you become creative and do some really interesting things. For sure. And um, you even started offering summer courses completely online. So if there's students, maybe they don't go to LVC and they want to take one of your courses, they should be able to do that over the summer online and they don't even have to step foot on the campus even, correct? That's right. Yeah, we have hum uh, Drawing Studio Human Form uh, offered this summer, summer 2021. Uh, interesting, very interesting. You learn to draw the human form, the human figure, and learn anatomy at the same time. So it's, uh, and you can do it online. We send out the entire kit of pencils and papers and all the media specific materials you need. So there's always that option. For sure. And last thing before we wrap this up, I feel like I'd be really uh, remiss in my duties if I didn't ask you about your book, uh, When the Machine Made Art, because I actually have not read it yet, um, right. believe it or not. <laughs> I don't have enough time in my uh, daily schedule yet, but it is on my list of things uh, to get to. Uh, so what can you tell us about your book? Well, I mean, it's the history of early computer art. Uh, you know, so it is, you know, digital art is, it was, it was called computer art, now it's called digital art. And of course, you might know that Beeple sold his uh, piece on Sotheby's for you know nearly $70 million last week. So that's an example of fully online digital art. So it's a, it's a milestone in the history of the world where a digital work sold for so much. Um, and But I wrote the history of, of computer art, which is digital art, of course, until it changed its name <laughs> from about 1963 when it started to develop to about the 1980s. So it is a, it's an interesting history of how um, the computer started to be used as a medium for art making. And it's, it's a troubled history, a lot of criticism of computer art. In, people didn't like computers uh, back in those days, you know, Computers and uh, cell phones and devices are ubiquitous now, but and we have a, an absolute almost uh, acceptance of the digital world now. But back in the 60s, it wasn't the case. The, di the computer was a new thing and people were scared of it. So uh, it's an interesting history of how um, artists had to deal with the fact that people didn't like the computer. So that's a bit about that. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, and you know, that historical approach on things, I think, is definitely more important now than ever is uh, just being able to look back and appreciate where things came from. Um, because we walk around with the iPhones and the laptops and stuff like that all the time. And we don't even stop and realize and recognize the designs and the creative work that goes on around us, um, not just in the design of the product itself, but everything we pull up on it, every app icon every you know you name it odds are that was created by someone using a computer yeah. and it's just kind of crazy to think that there was a time when this was you know not the normal and for most people i i just don't think they'll wrap their head around that at first um so it sounds like a great way to kind of challenge your own personal beliefs and acceptance on things yeah i mean you, you think about it um you know, some of the, the artworks were made of, of, from a computer were, were, were made, you know, 60, 70 years ago, you know, so that's a long time ago, you know, mm -hmm. and so we don't, we often think digital is just brand new, what happened uh, today and tomorrow, it's very future orientated, but 
a lot of this stuff takes decades to develop and there's a long history of that development and it tells us a lot about ourselves that, that history you know what we like what we dislike um what what technologies we want you know for the future mm -hmm. for sure all right so with that do you have any final closing uh remarks or anything that i didn't really uh address that we should have talked about a little more no i don't think so i would just uh you know emphasize uh the willingness to make sure that you deal with uh your own stress and that that you understand what kind of uh what that does to the body and mm -hmm. so uh, and i would encourage everyone to stay active and really understand their own body how it operates um and and and, and keep keep strength training or whatever um athletics or or training you enjoy doing um keep going yeah for sure. Awesome stuff. So with that, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Brawn Body Podcast. If you liked this episode, please make sure to subscribe, share with a friend, and leave a review if you're listening on iTunes. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening.